Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of PAS FML, the only podcast run by an actual, real-life, current PA student. That's me. I'm your host, PAK, and psych, I'm not a PA student anymore. I actually graduated. I did the thing, the thing that I've been waiting to do for 27 months. I actually did it, and I'm not a PA student anymore. Turns out, after you graduate and you get the diploma, you go from PA-S to just PA, because you haven't taken the boards yet, right? You haven't passed the pants, so you don't you don't get the C, so you you just like drop the S, and then you're like a PA, which was relevant, relevant, not elephant, which was relevant um, for when I was sending out resumes, because uh, I, you know, uh, that's a written form of communication, and take off, take the S off your name after you graduate, but before you get. Uh, before you pass the pants. So, and speaking of the pants, uh, I took the pants like two days ago. Uh, and even though I'm not allowed to talk about the pants, it's very, it's very flight, fight clubby. I'm not, I'm not allowed to talk about the pants. First, number one rule. And like, they make you read a, like a printed sheet of paper about how you're not going to tell people about the pants. Uh, and they actually like made you like make you read it on the screen and click through some boxes. Um, so you're definitely not allowed to talk about the pants. So I'm certainly not going to do that. So no secrets are being given away. However, uh, I think that I can give some pointers on how best you might want to study. And so I have three tips, uh, three pieces of advice on how to focus your studying for pack, for pants uh, test taking purposes. Um, so I'm going to get into that real quick. And actually, that's all we're going to do on this this episode today. So we're going to keep it kind of quick-ish, um, short-ish. Um, but before I get into the three tips, I just want to say that one of the coolest things that has happened since graduation, which is um, like in the blink of an eye, in the blink, well, first of all, in the blink of an eye, everything's just over. I mean, you've been you've been crawling around in the foxhole with your classmates for twenty seven months or however long, and it's terrible. And all you want to do is get to the end of the finish line. But then, guess what? When you get to the end of the finish line and you actually like stand up and like brush the mud off, everybody gives hugs and high fives, and you know, there's tears for sure. But then you're just like, all right, well, cool, you know, have a good life. And you just kind of walk away. And yes, I'm being a little dramatic because I'm sure, you know, yes, there are people that you're going to keep in touch with from from class. And certainly there's people that I will definitely keep in touch with. But like, I'm not going to keep in touch with absolutely every single person. Um, that's just not r realistic. And that's not how humans do life. Um, and so the thing that I kept stressing to my classmates and whether they heard me or not, or whether they appreciated it or wanted me to shut the hell up is that it's over in the blink of an eye. And that's crazy because for years, this is your truth. Being in PA school, being a PA student is your whole truth. It is your whole purpose. And I've already talked about how that actually sucks a lot of your soul away from you. Um, but that that's just how it is. If you want to get through PA school, that's kind of how you have to do it. And so you just kind of get used to being a PA student. But then literally, 
in the blink of an eye, overnight, the second, not, I mean, the second they call your name and you walk across the stage, it's over. And like I said, everybody, you know, smiles and it's a wonderful day and you get to celebrate your hard work and there's tears and hugs and high fives and clapping and, and, you know, people have jobs already. And so there's congratulations to those people, you know, people are moving. I mean, there's so many moving pieces and it's a really busy day, but then like, that's it. And you will never be in that situation with those people doing the same thing ever again. And yes, that's bittersweet. Um, and, you know, it's something absolutely to be proud of. Like I said, you've worked so hard to get to this point. You absolutely should be proud of it. And, but I just, I encourage people to recognize that it's that one day, that one those few hours even like the ceremony only lasts like two to three hours and like and and then it's just over and that part of your chap that part of your life that chapter of your life is behind you and yes it's exciting because you have new chapters to be written for sure um but it's it's just surreal in that in a matter of a few hours your life is is totally different and different in a way of you know maybe getting married or having children or, you know, any of those other kind of life milestone things, good and bad. Um, but it's just, it comes to a kind of an abrupt, bittersweet end. And so for people who are in school and are looking forward to their graduation day, you absolutely should. But just, I encourage you to remind yourself of the uniqueness of the situation that you are in and to look around and just try to be aware of how amazing it is that that you are in a situation that you will never be in again with people you will never be in again that that situation will never happen for you ever again um and that makes it so 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 special um but take pictures and give hugs and enjoy it because of course you absolutely deserved every single second of it. Um, but so sappiness is sappiness aside, <laughs> right? Um, the really cool thing that's happened, um, since graduation is that we as a class have gotten emails from, uh, from faculty and from even the director of the program. And it's so cool because like, 24 hours earlier, we're getting emails, dear students, remember this, remember that, please do this, and yada, yada, blah, da, 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 signed professor this, signed doctor that. And then all of a sudden, you wake up the next day, or I forget, I don't know, I think they emailed us like 48 hours later, and the heading reads, dear alumni, we cordially invite you to come be a member of the panel to select students for the next uh, graduating class, which of course is like three classes after you, you know, because they just keep churning them out. And so, you know, for the graduating class of like 2022 and you're like, holy God, these, those poor saps, um, you know, and then, and then you scroll all the way to the bottom and it's signed, you know, your colleague, insert first name, and all of a sudden, we're on a first name basis with our professors and a first name basis with the director of the program. We're colleagues and, and we earned that. And and again, this this just kind of goes back to the whole it's just crazy because it you spend 
two year, two over two years doing, trying to do a thing. And then all of a sudden in one day, it's considered like, check, you did it in a matter of hours. You get the check, you get the check box and, and you've done the thing. And now you're alumni and you're colleagues and it's surreal. Uh, so that's the coolest thing um, that has gone on since graduation. Um, the second coolest thing, of course, is that I took the pants, which I already said. I took that um, a couple of days ago. Um, and that that was cool. So let's get into um, my thoughts on how best to prepare for the pants. <laughs> All right, just a quick post-production edit here because I realized that it took me like 20 minutes to get into my actual um, pieces of advice on the on the main segment here. So for those of you who are just here to kind of get a quick in and out, down and dirty, um, I decided to add this little section here and I'm going to give you my three tips um, uh, up front. And obviously you can keep listening if you want more detail and random other thoughts from your favorite PAK, um, as per usual. Um, but anyway, so my three pieces of advice, um, as quickly as I can give them to you is number one, during clinical year, yes, you should study. And it is less terrible if you study things that you are interested in. So meaning, you know, interesting cases that come through questions that you're patients ask, what have you, you know, go home and study those things for sure. Uh, again, because you're interested in it. So it feels a little less awful. Um, but then I would encourage you to like, like, flip one more page after you're done looking up the thing, whatever the thing is. And and then just read a couple other things um, that you weren't necessarily interested in, but are, you know, in the same vein of whatever it was you're reading about. Just just like two extra things um, or like, you know, if you're on a website, like just click, click advance two more topics and just put them in there. Just let the words wash over you just to get a little bit more exposure to the words because you really do need to study during clinical year, but after didactic year, all you want to do is not study. So you kind of need to keep a little bit of pressure on yourself. And that may be a way to do it. Uh, number two, um, worry about studying for the pants like within a month of taking the actual pants. And the best way to do that is to take practice questions. So I don't recommend getting like a, a physical book um, because the test itself is, of course, on a computer. So I, you try using a computer or dis, digital source, um, and you can Rosh review it, um, which is what our program used and my classmates and I used. I also I also found a company called MedGeeks, um, M-E-D, MedGeeks, uh, which was started by EPA like a handful of years ago. So that's pretty cool. Um, and I, and also uh, the Kaplan people, and I mean the Kaplan people, they're notorious test takers for all sorts of different um, exams. So those are, that's kind of a household name. So anyway, I go into further detail about the goods and the bads of all of those things, but uh, you definitely should practice taking the boards, but I think you can, you know, I don't think you have to jump the gun so much on that. So that's number two. And then finally, within a month of taking the actual boards, maybe even like two weeks of taking the actual boards, it, you might want to consider paying the 50 bucks to the NCAAPA, to the NACCCP, 
PA? To the boards, people. Pay the boards, people, and take an actual practice exam. It's 50 bucks. Um, they only have two sections, um, so it's not the five that the pants is. Um, but I think it's helpful just to get a feel for what it feels like to actually take something that's laid out in the same way of that the actual boards are. So there's your three tips um, right in a row. Keep listening if you want more details and random blatherings um, from your beloved uh, PA. Um, so that's it. Thanks. So quick recap of what I've been doing since the last episode. Uh, Like I said, I graduated. Um, We had technically two two days of graduation. My program split it one day of PA only, which was really, really nice. Um, And then just just because it was like super personal and we had our poster presentation. So the research project that we've been working on for a year slash really only worked on it for probably like three months total and then forgot about it for the last nine months. Uh, we, so we like stood around and had our name up on the poster board and that was kind of cool. Um, thankfully nobody asked anything about mine. Uh, people don't care about non-celiac gluten sensitivity. Uh, and that's fine. Um, because I didn't have to talk to anyone and I got to hang out with my classmates. So that was cool. Um, and then the next day was the actual huge university graduation. And I gotta say, I wasn't entirely psyched about the university graduation. Um, but it was actually it was actually cool to be a part of like the pomp and circumstance. It was cool to be in the robe. It was cool to have the funny square hat on, um, with the dumb tassel and just, I mean, like you couldn't just not smile. I, the the whole, like, it was just, it was really just a nice way to celebrate because it was all about you. Um, you know, everybody else who was there, like was a guest and nobody else got to wear the robe except those of us who were graduating and, I mean, it it was just cool. It was just a really cool, selfish <laughs> way um, to make it all about you uh, or me, I should say. I'll make that a nice statement. It was just a selfish way to make it all about me and the really, really hard thing that I've done. Um, and I didn't think that I would care uh, about this ceremony at all. Um, but I totally take that back because it was just a really fun thing to do, like as a, the very last thing ever that I will do with my class that I did, I will ever do with them. Um, so that it was cool to finally stand around and really celebrate one last time, um, in all the garb. Um, so that was cool. So I'm happy I did it. If anybody's on the fence about going or not, uh, take that for what it's worth. Um, definitely had several classmates who did not go for various reasons. Um, and I'm sure that worked for them. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, I'm, if you're on the fence, and you got nothing better to do, I say just go for it because it's the last time you're going to be around those people and it's hard to be sad on that day. I was grinning ear to ear uh, the all, all the hours. Um, it was really cool. So, uh, so that was graduation. And then let's see, my folks were around and they hung out for a little while and then I made them leave because I had to study for the boards. Um, I had some classmates who took the boards like five days or seven days after we graduated. I think technically there's some sort of timeline in which you're not, you're actually not allowed to take them because it takes a week for the university to 
notify the board's people that you did, in fact, graduate. Um, so it takes like a week for that paperwork to go through. So you'd think that the earliest to take the boards would be the day after you graduate. And that, at least for my program, was not the case. So there, I had, there were a handful of my classmates who took the boards as soon as they could. Um, and the people who, <laughs> the classmates of mine who fell into that category were the classmates of mine who I probably could have guessed a year ago would have been those people. Um, they just are smarter than me or they study faster than me or they don't have as much stress and anxiety as I do. Um, and they were able to take it. And the nice thing about that is that they have already found out that they took it or they've already found out their results. Uh, most of them, I mean, I've not heard of anybody who didn't pass their boards yet. Um, so it's crazy, but like they took their boards like 10 days ago and they've already found out. And the people that I've heard from uh, have passed. So that's awesome. Um, I, on the other hand, took an extra like five days after that, eh, probably a week. Um, but it was good. Uh, and I was told this, and maybe if you're in PA school, you've been told this as well, that you know, you really don't want to put the boards off too terribly long. Um, and so I was given that advice and I kind of recognized that, you know, I should take the advice of the people who've been ahead of me. Um, so while I didn't take it as soon as I could, I gave myself an extra like seven days after that. I'm, I'm, for me, that was the right call. Um, for other people, they were totally prepared. Maybe they did more studying um, throughout the clinical year. Um, and I'm going to get to that a little bit later, but the short story is, is I, I probably should have studied, um, I probably should have studied more than I did during clinical year. Uh, as it was in clinical year, I would, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I definitely like read up, but I would go home and I would read about something that I saw in clinic that day or, you know, a question that came up. And maybe my patient asked it, or maybe there was a situation where it turned out, you know, the, it turned out to be nothing. Um, but I was like, God, well, you know, what if that lab had come back in the other direction or like, anyway, just kind of like, oh, I need to remind myself that there's different permutations of this thing. There's different ways this thing could have gone. Um, and so I should look into that. So I, I did kind of that like general interest study, but I didn't like sit down and go, well, all right, time time to study uh, skin rashes today. Although, truthfully, that's something that would definitely help you in clinic. Um, what's like something, some suits? I'm trying to think of like an esoteric topic where I was like, there's no reason to do that. Like, I mean, all of the different blood cancers, like, you know, you just, thankfully, you don't see that too often. I mean, unless you're on like a hemonc rotation. Um, so it's, or like, you know, ankle fractures on, you know, my endocrinology rotation. You know, it's not like I, I came home and I was like, oh, I really, I really need to go over the uh, disorders of the eyeball again. Um, so it was, it was stuff that I would come home and would, I felt I had an interest in studying, I should say. So I kind of like let my interest guide what I studied. Uh, but I don't know if that was the right thing to do. I kind of wish I would have done that just to, you know, encourage myself and then like studied one page of something else, just like flipped, flipped the book one more page further and just studied like the two things on the next column. Um, I think that, I think that would have been helpful. Um, 
anyway, uh, I should have I should have studied a little bit more um, during clinical year, and so that's probably why I took an extra week. Truthfully, could I have taken an additional week? And let's see, I guess technically I took the boards like two and a half weeks after I graduated. It was the kind of official timeline. I probably could have stretched it out to three weeks and felt a little bit more comfortable. Um, cause at the end there, I just, I really was felt like I was shoving just like buzzwords into my brain and they probably, they, I didn't feel like they were sticking that well because I was starting to get panicked, like within 48 hours of my test. I was actually pretty chill. Um, the the entire week leading up pretty chill um and that was helpful because it's always better to study when you're feeling chill um but the last with inside 48 hours of taking the boards I definitely could feel my nerves ratcheting up and I think that had a negative impact on my studying so even though I had like 17 days of studying I think I only really had like 15 good days of studying so anyway that's that's the only reason that I say maybe if I had stretched it out to three weeks such that I would have had a solid like instead of a solid 10 days of studying I would have legitimately gotten a solid like 14 days of studying um but you know whatever you you do what you do um and you know we'll see we'll see if it works out for me uh, obviously, because I took the boards yesterday, I definitely don't know how I did. Uh, like I said, some of my classmates are finding out um, in a week or with, within a week of taking it. Um, but I think they, I think the boards people tell you that it can take up to two. Um, so we'll see. Uh, there's also a rumor that the boards only releases scores on Mondays and Thursdays. I have no idea that that's true. Um, but let's see. Today was not a Monday or a Thursday. And to my knowledge, none of my classmates found out anything today. Uh, so I don't know. We'll see. So I'm going to hang out and wait. But um, I don't know. Maybe let's wait and see if I pass the boards to take my advice on when you should – how much time after you graduate should you uh, – take the boards. And again, obviously, like, if you go back and listen to the very pilot episode, the number one reason why PA school is so hard is because everybody has to do it differently. There's no surefire way. There's no thing that you can read ahead of time and go, okay, if I just do these 22 steps, I'll get through it. Like those 22 steps look different for everyone. Some people maybe only have 14 steps. Other people have 81 steps. Um, it just depends. And that's the hard part. So uh, same, same old, same old. I can't tell you exactly when you should take the boards. For some people, that answer was a week. Uh, I have other friends taking it two weeks from now, so like a month afterwards. And like, I got to tell you, they're pretty chill. They're they're just like, I'll take it when I take it. And they are maybe traveling or they're not studying for 14 hours a day because legitimately that is what I did um, with my 17 days or whatever it was. Um, actually, I don't even think it was that many. Uh, anyway, that's what I did. I studied for like 14 hours a day. Like I would get up, set my alarm some days because some days I let myself sleep in and it was like 930 and I was like, oh shit, I got I got work to do. So I had to start setting my alarm for like eight so that I could get up and study. Um, and I would study until nine, 10, sometimes even 11 at night. Um, so I did intensive studying in 17 days. And so maybe the people who are giving themselves a full month to study are only studying like six hours a day. 
And you could argue that that is maybe the better way to do it. I mean, this is the program itself is a 27 month program. Like, why are you trying to fit 27 months of knowledge into two weeks of studying, of preparing yourself. So, I mean, I know, yes, you know, you argue, well, I've been studying for 27 months. That's what I've been doing. But um, studying for the boards is very, very different than studying for your PA didactic year tests. And it's also super wildly different from clinic. In fact, there, like you have to act, sometimes you have to actively fight against what you saw and learned in clinic so that you can answer the question correctly on the boards. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a totally different beast. Um, and I'm sure, I know I'm not the first person to say that because I have heard this before. Um, and so I, but I'm not just parroting it. I completely agree um, that there are some things that happen in real life th- that you do in clinical year that will absolutely mess you up on the boards. Um, and then, of course, there's things that you only see on the boards that are so rare, you don't see them uh, in real life. Um, and that's usually good because those things are not um, fun uh, or healthy things to have to go through. Um, so you know, were, was 17 days enough to study for the boards? Yeah, maybe for me, maybe if my brain didn't freak out after two weeks, um, and my anxiety creep up on me, but you know, I just, I didn't know that that would happen. I didn't realize, I didn't know that like the last 24 to 48 hours, things would, I would just be like a complete steel wall, um, with trying to get information in. So, um, but anyway, I took it. Uh, and the correct answer for you about when you should take your boards is when it's right for you. Uh, sometimes that's a week, sometimes that's, that's a month, but I do kind of echo that stretching it out much more than a month. Um, I honestly don't know how much more you would gain. Um, and I say that only because the boards are tricky, um, but they are kind of predictably tricky. And at a certain point, you just have to shrug your shoulders and go, well, there's just no way that I can learn all of the esoteric topics that they're going to want me to know. There's too many esoteric topics. There's no possible way that you're going to learn them all. Even if you studied for a year, you wouldn't be able to get um, a, you know, a perfect score. I mean, I don't think at least. So, you know, after a month, though, I think about a month is time to learn all of your test-taking strategies um, and, again, to go over some of the bread and butter um, information um, on the boards. Um, so about about a month, I would say. Oh, and I did have a friend or a class and a friend slash classmate who um, ended up going to a um, review class. Uh, so I don't know if it was for the pants or the panry that he ended up going to, um, but I know that he got an airplane and he went to like a three day, uh, prep class. I haven't talked to him about it yet. Um, actually, oh my God, he takes the boards tomorrow now that I think about it. Um, so anyway, I'll have to talk with him and, uh, be curious to know what he felt, um, about that. So anyway, uh, take the boards when you feel comfortable, if you've done a lot of studying, if you've done a decent amount of studying throughout clinical year, you might be able to get away with just kind of going over some of the general questions. Like you just need to practice taking questions, actually. Um, you know, that's what everybody tells you is that's the boards are tricky because um, 
they not only are there rare things that show up um, time and time again, even over several questions sometimes, um, but they they also ask questions in a way that are different from the real world. Um, and those can be, it can be hard to figure out what they're really asking of you. So really the best thing to do is to just practice taking boards tests, um, and do that via taking, by going over questions. Um, so let's see, there's a couple different ways that you can do those questions. I mean, and by that, I mean, there's a couple different um, sources that offer questions. Uh, I know I've mentioned a handful of times that you can do Rosh review, which is something that my program, I think, bought for us slash we paid via tuition. Um, so Rosh review um, is kind of a popular one. There's also the Kaplan people, K-A-P-L-A-N, the Kaplan people. And they do like stuff for doctors, physicians as well. Um, they do a whole bunch of, um, prep, prep courses. Um, so they're kind of a big name, um, the Kaplan people, but then there's also something a little bit more specific to, uh, PAs. Um, and that's who I used, uh, for part of it. And, um, those guys are called the med geeks, uh, med geeks. They're really fun. Um, and I like them because a, it was started by a PA and like a few of his PA pals, um, and so they've, they've, they've kind of honed in on that, but they've also, they're newer, they've, but not super new. They've been around for, I don't know, eight, nine years now. Um, and, and the nice thing is, is I think that they've kind of adapted more quickly than some of the, well, then Rosh Review, I'll say. Um, and, and by that, I mean, like the, it's, it's, if you ask anybody, like, what's one of the biggest thing that's changed on the boards in the past handful of years, they'll tell you that that the boards are getting away from buzzwords. And that that's totally true. Um, uh, you know, like, but dumb buzzwords that if like you heard it, you'd be like, I couldn't could like, if you didn't study medicine, you'd be like, I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Tripoding? I what, so what is tripoding? Like, what is, you know, what is Cullen's sign? What, I mean, really what's Cullen's sign or, um, Wag Wagner's disease? Like what's that? So like stuff where if you weren't in medicine, you'd be like, I couldn't even tell you what that is. Um, and by and large, having taken the boards yesterday, I totally agree with that. Like those like made up buzzwords. I didn't see those at all. Um, and the nice thing is that I think med geeks, doesn't use those. They, they've adapted more quickly and MedGeeks does not, um, rely on putting buzzwords in the stem of their question so that it steers you to the right answer. Uh, so I liked that. The, the bigger thing that I, that I ended up really liking MedGeeks for was that they have five answer options. And guess what? The boards has five answer options. I think there was maybe like two questions that only had four answer options. Um, so really and truly, the boards has five answer possibilities. Uh, and Rosh Review hasn't caught up to that yet. Rosh Review has only four for you. Um, yes, you could argue that the fifth the fifth option was just a terrible idea. And if you've paid any attention over the past 27 months, you would have you would have realized that it was a terrible option. But like, I got to tell you, sometimes I could only eliminate the fifth one and all the other four. I was like, well, guess I'm just going to have to pick one. Um, but 
MedGeeks did a nice job in keeping up with that. And so MedGeeks has the fifth option and they don't do a lot of buzzwords. Not that Rosh Review has a ton of buzzwords anymore, um, but I... I liked studying with MedGeeks in tandem with Rosh Review. You know, Rosh Review has been around for I don't even know how long, but they, they're like the number one uh, review people um, for the PA stuff, for the PA boards. Um, and so it's good to have the kind of tried and true people. The people have been doing this for a long time. Um, but I really enjoyed um, supplementing that my my question taking um with the medgeeks people because i really really truly felt that medgeeks um was one step ahead they were more aligned with what the boards had on it and they also had um really good uh test taking strategy tips like the whole they were just very rational like look you know these three kidney th disorders look super similar on presentation like it would be an unfair question if they didn't give you some sort of pertinent information to you know turn you turn you in the direction of one or the other and here's what they're probably going to say and it wasn't buzzword related it was like you know on hinakshlan line purpura they were like they're going to have to give you nodules on, on or you know purpura on the lower extremities like they're just gonna have to say that because otherwise it's just like acute kidney failure and that could be anything um so they gave some really good rational input on some of like the i don't i don't even want to call it a buzzword but like the buzz phrases uh they were super super helpful um in that review and i just or in that regard and i don't really think that rosh reviewed did they I don't really feel like they did that too much um so that's that um but really and truly I think I think one of the bigger things that was like one of the most helpful things that I did beyond just taking question after question after question um was actually no I'm going to say, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say I've got three, I've got three pieces of it, three, three tips for how to study for the boards. Uh, and I've already gone over two of them. Uh, okay. So three, three tips for how to study for the boards. Number one, uh, study during clinical year and go ahead to just study the bread and butter stuff. Um, because that absolutely showed up on the boards. Go study it. You should, um, it's the bread and butter. It's the stuff that you're going to see in clinic. Um, it's the common stuff that you're going to see and you're going to need to know how to do kidney stones and cystitis and how to recognize pneumonia and what does COPD look like on a chest x-ray versus bacterial pneumonia. Those are legitimate things. And that is your bread and butter stuff. That stuff absolutely is on the pants. They want to make sure that you can be just kind of like a general PA person. Um, so the test isn't only unfair questions of esoteric topics that, you know, of like, did you read the fourth bullet down on page 244? Um, the boards is not all of that. It absolutely isn't. It absolutely has bread and butter stuff on it. So spend your clinical year reading up on whatever interests you for sure. 
Um, and the bread and butter stuff, go go right ahead because whatever interests you, that's fantastic. Learn more about that. Um, but the bread and butter stuff, that's the stuff that you're seeing in clinic anyway. That's the stuff that, um, you know, if you read about it the night before, you, maybe you'll see somebody come in with it tomorrow. Um, so clinic year, do bread and butter. After you graduate, after you're done with clinic year, figure out how to take the boards. F- figure out test-taking strategies. Figure out some of the newer, quote-unquote, buzz phrases. Um, And by that, I mean, don't just memorize if something has thrombocytopenia and anemia. Don't memorize those two words. What does anemia look like? If they give you lab values, you need to know in your brain, oh, God, that's anemia. Oh, God, that's thrombocytopenia. Or, oh, my God, their platelets are out of the roof. Like, what is is that called? they're not just going to say that your patient comes in with anemia. That's not a thing. Your patient doesn't come in with anemia. Your patient comes in and says, I'm fatigued. And then they spend four more sentences telling you what else the patient says. And oh, by the way, here's their labs. So don't just memorize anemia. Don't just memorize, you know, um, like palpable purpura on lower extremities. Like what are the layman's terms of that? If they give you a lab value, what like how did you, how do you translate that into your head um and sa- same with those buzz buzzwords like they're not calling it necessarily you know cullen sign anymore they're not well some of the some of the gi stuff they are sorry like the mcburnies i think i don't know if that showed up but um by and by and large you need to know that like or like murphy sign you know if if they say that the patient ceased respiration on when you had your hand in their upper upper right quadrant what does that mean you know like they're not going to tell you positive murphy sign you need to, you need to be able to read that sentence saying oh the patient patient couldn't breathe in anymore when you were digging into their right upper quadrant because it was painful guess what that's a positive murphy sign um so don't memorize the name but memorize the thing um, what what does it actually look like in written out in a complete sentence? Um, and that's your buzzword. That's your new buzzword, guys. Um, it's not that that stuff isn't on the test anymore. It's not that they don't want you to know what Murphy's sign is or, or what McBurney's point is. They totally want you to know that, but they're going to write it out in a complete sentence and you're going to have to recognize what it is. Um, and that's the kind of stuff well, you can probably do that during clinical year. Um, but those are the kind of tips and tricks that you should be studying during um, right after clinical year. So how do you how do you study for the board? So so tip number one, study the bread and butter during clinical year. Tip number two, study test taking skills and what buzz how buzzwords are going to show up uh, after you're done with clinical year. So when you're studying for the bur- boards, learn how to study for the boards and do as many boards questions as possible. Um, and that leads into my third um, third and final tip for how do you get through the boards. I paid the 50 bucks and I took the practice exam from the NAACP. Um, I did it and it was timed and I'm super glad that I did because it was only two sections. The real boards are five sections. So this was only two sections. 
um, but it was timed and you get a sense for how they word the question. You get a sense for how long these vignettes are. You get a sense for how many of them come with lab values. And then you also get a sense for the fact that, dude, sometimes it's just a simple one sentence question. Do you know the mechanism of this? Do you know the most common that, um, you just started a patient on this medication. What else do you want to tell them? Whether it's a medication side effect or how to take it. I was really surprised that there was some like, there was some stuff that I know I said earlier that like sometimes clinical year totally messed me up, but like sometimes not. Sometimes I was like, oh my God, I totally know that answer because I had to tell a patient to take their medication this way. That's crazy. Like, thank you, clinical year. Um, so I, I don't mean to say that clinical year is 100% going to throw you off all the time. Um, but in terms of like, I'm going to say that in terms of next best step, uh, or like, you know, what do you do next? That's where clinical year is going to mess you up. Because in clinical year, you're talking about real actual patients. And when you're talking about either trying to save a life or improve health or rule out something super scary you know, a lot of times you just do all three or four things. You just, you get the CT or, you know, you go, I'm going to pull a CBC and a CMP. You, you do like three or four things at the same time. And that's going to throw you off on the boards because they're truly looking for the one best answer that is usually least invasive and most cost effective. That's the right answer on the boards. Um, so for some of those things, uh, when you, like I said, when you learn to take the boards, going back to tip number two, when you're studying for the boards, that's something that you need to be aware of is that by and large, your next best step on the boards is different from the next best step um, in real, what you actually do in real life. Um, and sometimes treatment as well. Sometimes in real life, you just go, you know, I'm just going to throw a mox clav at you because I want to make sure I really kill this thing. Um, but on the board, sometimes the right answer is just the amoxicillin because there's like six things that the patient has to meet in order for you to add the, the um, uh, clavinonic acid, clavonic acid. God, I should know what that is. I've been just been calling it a mox clav for an entire year. Um, so anyway, so that's, those are probably the two biggest places where the real world is going to trip you up um, versus uh, what's going to help you. But um uh, every now and then I was super glad that I had clinical year cause I was like, yep, that's a thing. I did that. Um, but the third to reiterate the third tip and I'm so sorry, I've been talking in circles, but at this point, maybe you guys are used to that. Uh, but the third tip of, I'm really glad that I paid the 50 bucks and took the practice boards set out by the actual boards people, which again, I think it's the NAACP, NCAAP. National certifying something for PA people, whatever. Take um, pay pay the fifty bucks and take their exam. Um, it was super helpful, and I was really glad to have some sort of idea to what I was walking into. Now that said, I felt like the board's practice exam or two section part was harder in some ways than the actual test. Um, and I, I don't know if maybe I, no, I don't even think I studied harder because I didn't take the practice boards until like two days before I took the real boards. No, I took like four days. Anyway, um, 
it was just harder. I just, I just felt like it was harder. Maybe there were less gimmies. I think that's what it was. There were less gimmies. There were more things that I was like, well, I don't, I don't remember that word or I haven't seen that word ever in my entire life. Um, I think the practice boards were a little bit more tricky, but that said, it was helpful in so much as going back to tip number two, just try to do as many questions as possible. You're trying to pass the boards. So how do you pass the boards? You practice passing the boards, i.e. you practice taking questions. You practice getting down and dirty with the, oh shit, I know that race McEpi is totally something that you use in croup, but like, I don't know if you give it to everybody presenting with croup or if, or if it only onsets later. Um, uh, pro tip, it only onsets if the child has moderate croup. Well, that's great, PAK. What constitutes moderate croup? I'm glad you asked. Moderate croup enjoy, uh, includes strider at rest and distress from the child. If the child has, is the child is not in distress and they have no strider at rest and they have no retractions under their itty bitty rib cages, that's considered mild croup and they don't need race McEpi. Um, so anyway, it, but like, how do I know that? That's because I got that question wrong the first time because I was too busy studying how do you treat moderate and severe croup that when a mild croup came across my, one of my practice questions, I was like, well, shit, I don't know how to treat mild croup. I don't know. Go home, take a Tylenol. I mean, ugh. so the only way that I, that, that you can just like roll around with those dirty questions is to practice the questions. So final recap how do you study for the boards? Tip number one, study the bread and butter during clinical year. Just force yourself to do it. Some people say an hour a day. I say study the stuff that interests you and then force yourself to study two more things after that. Um, tip number one. Tip number two, practice passing the boards, i.e. practice exams by whoever you want. Um, but I felt Rosh Review was somewhat helpful. I liked them in conjunction with MedGeeks. Um, and I also actually signed up for the Kaplan Medical Question of the Day, which I think was maybe a little bit more esoteric than what the boards had. Um, but I was glad to just get another source of questions. And Kaplan also had five uh, answer possibilities. So that was nice. Um, so, and Kaplan, by the way, also had um, practice exams that you could pay and take for them. Um, I think there were like a hundred bucks to get access to their, to their um, question bank. Sorry, maybe that's not a practice exam, but like a question bank. Um, and I almost did that, especially when it went on sale for tw for 20% off. So it would have been 80 bucks. Um, I think I probably would have done that had I had more time. But um, anyway, those were the three sources that I used, Rosh Review, MedGeeks, and Kaplan. Um, and I, I liked all three of them together. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say only do one. It was good to get a good smattering. So all three of those... Um, at least, you know, don't, don't just rely on one source. I don't think you should. Um, and then finally, tip number three, um, <laughs> pay the 50 bucks and take the practice two section from two section, uh, question bank, uh, from the actual boards people themselves. So, you know, I don't know, man, I don't know if I've passed yet, but that's my advice. Uh, and I'll keep you guys posted, uh, when, when I find out one way or the other. So good night.
and good luck. And that'll do it for my thoughts and tips and advice and random blatherings um, about what I think about the pants after having just taken it. Um, And actually, the neat thing about post-production is that since I began recording this episode and I'm now finishing it, I actually found out that my two study buddies... Uh, past the boards. So they took it about five days before I did. Um, and I can confirm that they found out on a Thursday that they passed. So I, I don't know if that doesn't necessarily confirm the rumor that pants only gives out scores on Mondays and Thursdays, but my goodness, um, it sure is leaning in maybe that direction, or maybe it's just a coincidence and correlation does not prove causation. So, um, but at any rate, uh, that's pretty cool. So I thought I'd share that in this post-production memo here. So fingers crossed that I passed myself, um, cause it, it bodes well when the people that I studied with passed. Um, so that's awesome. And actually everybody from my program, um, that I've heard has taken the pants has actually passed it so far. So, uh, so that's awesome too. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll see, but the waiting is the hardest part and there's a Tom Petty song in there somewhere. And, um, anyway, um, so that'll do it for today. For today's episode, I think I will probably do another episode of just kind of like to end up, end everything and kind of recap 27 months now that I'm looking at PA school on the other side of things, kind of a little, um, a good, uh, full come full circle from my in pilot episode of things I wish I had known. Um, and then of course I did a handful of things I wish I had known before I started PA school. So listen to those. If you haven't, they are wildly popular. The top like three most listened to, uh, episodes actually. So I'll do one on the other end here for us coming up and give you some clothing, clothing. I'm not going to give you clothing. What do you do? You're crazy. (laughs) Give you my closing thoughts. Um, anyway, that's it for today. Uh, thanks for tuning in and I'll catch up with you next time.